0: In my best Zach voice, hello! Welcome to the 500 Whales Podcast. It's your host, Jeremiah. And Chris. And Brian. And Brian. Uh, we invited Brian Forrest to be a full-time host, so uh, everyone give him a huge welcome to the podcast moment.
1: Yay, Brian! <laughs>
0: I believe this is episode 16, and for episode 16, we are bringing Hobby Episode. We're also going to talk a little bit about Adepticon because Chris didn't get to share his experience. And I completely forgot about my day Saturday, so uh, we're going to throw those in. Chris, what do you have for us today?
1: So we're going to talk a little bit about weathering today. It was something that, that you had brought up in one of the forums we were talking in, um, just on the 500 Worlds thing, and said, hey, let's do a weathering episode. And I thought that was a great idea, because I've, I've picked up a lot of new skills between MPAA and uh, just the way I normally do things that, that would be worthy of passing on. That,
0: uh, that sounds awesome. I look forward to it. Real quick, before we dive into content, I wanted to make a little errata from our last episode. I was telling my meat story of how we went to the Brazilian steakhouse. And I had a, I guess, for lack of a term, a mentor, so to speak, to tell me what food to eat. Uh, I couldn't remember his name. And uh, luckily, a bunch of dudes reminded me. The guy's name is Rudy. So uh, big shout out to Rudy. Thank you so much for uh, holding my hand through what is a fine dining experience.
1: It's a lot of meat, man.
0: <laughs> Good meat. And a very nice salad
1: bar. <laughs> you ate salad at a Brazilian steakhouse? You need somebody you to know. hold your hand. <laughs> you know I have. I'm not ashamed of that. I,
0: I I admit I went up there and then I had that exact same thought and I was like, nope. And I came back with on my plate like <laughs> some sauces I thought I might want to try and some bacon and that was it.
1: That is the man. I mean, because, you know, bacon is something you can pull off a salad bar in a Brazilian steakhouse and still feel like you're in a Brazilian steakhouse.
0: But uh, as Rudy taught me (laughs) during this night, he said, uh, when you taste anything, when you cook anything with bacon, what do you taste? What do you guys taste? Bacon. Bacon, right? So bacon is not the best thing to do at a Brazilian steakhouse because it will overrule the taste of any other meat that you're currently having.
1: Ah, so it'll True. coat the palate and, and we don't get to enjoy the other things we're eating.
0: That's exactly what he said.
1: Well, that makes sense.
2: It's like right up there with uh, drinking something super sweet and then trying to eat a sweet dessert.
0: So let's just dive right into Adepticon talk. Uh, again, we're going to just follow up with Chris and recap some things we forgot. Uh, Chris, uh, what day did you get to Adepticon?
1: We got there Thursday night. Um I had class that that kept me in Grand Rapids till um Thursday afternoon and my buddies from um Florida Doug or, or Brett and Doug out of South Carolina flew in to Grand Rapids like we always do and we um uh, we we road tripped over from Grand Rapids just to to catch up. We're all vets so it just gives us time to, to catch up on what's going on. And then we got there, like I said, we got there Thursday night and all Thursday night was, was just tromping around, checking things out, seeing who was there and, um, going down to the, um, vendor hall so we could do the first round of the the vendor hall. Brett had never been to Adepticon, so it was kind of like taking a kid to Disneyland the first time. So he was pretty blown away.
0: Yeah, it was uh, real nice to meet Brett, put a, put a face to the, you know, the name, um, a while back, we had actually had Brett on to re record a podcast episode, uh, and uh, the audio was bad and uh, it never got released. So, uh, <laughs> knew the guy, yeah. but uh, you know, it never really got released. But we are going to re record the episode soon. But anyway, so yeah. Thursday got in, uh, vendor busy, yeah, like a lot of fun with the road trip with the dudes. I mean, I sort of missed that from like my earlier DEF days.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we've talked about them flying into Chicago, but even Doug's like, hey, it's cheaper to fly into Grand Rapids. I don't have to deal with O'Hare. And um, they usually come over here on the way out and spend the night with us. And freaking my wife cooks a big dinner before they go out the next day. And um, Doug actually hung out this time, and um, uh, I had brought him into one of my classes. He's a photographer also, so I had him come in and speak to the college student about the type of photography he does, which is really cool. Mm, so getting some yep.
0: last-minute brownie points.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, like I said, we got in Thursday night and it was mainly just do the vendor halls and check in and, and shake hands and say hi to everybody. Uh, we didn't have anything planned for that day. We um, we had an event planned for um, Saturday, I mean, Friday, and we had an event planned for um, Saturday. So, and we were all basically playing in the same thing since it was Brett's first time and it was first time playing 30K, he wanted to kind of ease in. And play ZM, so we we all played ZM the entire time, which was pretty. Oh cool.
0: wow! So so you played Zomortalis Friday and Saturday?
1: Yes, I did. So okay, yeah. It's a good event. Uh,
0: what's that, Brian? I said it's a good event. I played in it
1: last year. Yes, you did. In fact, you played with my buddies. Freaking my buddy's passed because he didn't make it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that you drove over and you're like, oh, you, you didn't even know if you're going to be able to make it. And you you showed up and you're like, oh, dude, I don't have a pass. so I can't play anything. I was like, dude, my buddy didn't show up and he's he signed over the museum event. So you're Alex now. <laughs> that worked out great. So. I still
2: remember the look on. uh Oh, who was its face? It was either uh, Nathaniel or Matt Murphy.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you were using a paid ticket for somebody who wasn't there. We didn't do anything wrong. So, nope. but um, there's a lot, lot of event go. organizers that probably disagree with that statement.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're considering the guy that did it, it's an event organizer now. <laughs> I mean, hey, oh. it's already paid for. So absolutely, absolutely. So, so let's talk no. Friday. Yeah. So, so what, Friday. What was
0: the Friday event.
1: Friday with Scaracathonia. And 500-point um, ZM, which is what Brett and the guys have built their list for. Um, like I said, Thursday night when we got in, we also went back to the hotel, and I brought all my my ZM train so we could rehash rules for, for Brett and Doug. Because Doug plays a lot of other systems, and he only plays 30K mainly at Adepticon. But, so, um,
0: so this is a lot of Zomortalis at Adepticon.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> room. So absolutely, absolutely. So it, like I said, it was more about having Brett have a good quality experience so um, than anything else. And like I said, I love Zone. Zone is my favorite system to play. Zone and Centurion, um, I'd play them all the time if that was, you know, I, I prefer it to frontline games, to be honest.
0: You know what would have made this even better? If you got yourself a League Gas t- Gaming Tabletopper, we're not sponsored, by the way, put it in the pool, put your Zone Mortalis models on top, and went to Game Town.
1: <laughs> that would have been interesting. Oh
0: well, you pressed your steel. <laughs> I did see one person come out of the pool area the whole week. I brought my swim trunks but never used them. Kind of regret it to be honest with you, but uh, I bet I didn't get a lot of use that week.
1: So oh, I bet anyway. you didn't.
0: <laughs> Anyways, let's uh let's get back to uh Let's get back talking about games. So, Saturday,
1: Scarcothonia? Yep. Um, I played some great dudes. Um, One, just because it was their first time, or it was Brett's first time, I made sure that me and him played around um, in the ZM to start off with. And we started off on the Miami Vice Board, which is by far my favorite board in the ZM. So, it's the this, one that's got this, the...
0: This Scarcothonia event?
1: Yeah, talk about? yeah yeah okay. yeah right. well let's, so, let's we,
0: backtrack a little bit yeah what did you play what did you bring to this event
1: oh i brought my mech um i i was gonna bring my sons of Horse, which i've got a sons of Horse zm list done but my mech um i'm just more comfortable with so i brought that just because it was it was handy and it was easy to get out the door with um i wanted to do a lot more planning this year but college kind of kind of took over so i didn't get as much done as i wanted to so it was yep. it was the trusty fallback, and because um, the mech, I know 100 percent how to play it, so it, it makes things easy. But um, what
0: what would Billy Madison do?
1: Because absolutely. Kind of a deuce. <laughs> so no it was it was good time um that first that first day like i said we played i played brett and we played on the the miami vice board which i hope they keep that around now that they're going to change everything up because it's one of my favorite boards to play on because it's just so different can, i mean it's can you describe yeah words? it's it, you can see it if you if you go onto the green legions uh or the the Adepticon site but it's the one that looks like it's like orange and blue buildings and it literally looks like Miami in, like, 1975. It's, um, it's got huge palm trees, and um, it's just kind of a – it's just a funny, themey board to play on. And the object of it is to burn it down, which is just – that makes it even funnier. <laughs> so you're just running around torching buildings, and um, if you're the defender, you're trying to keep all the buildings from being torched, which is kind right. of a cool, cool little mechanic.
0: So uh, <clears throat> how did your and Brett games go?
1: So, well, that that first one wasn't, you know, like I said, Brett was getting his feet. So, I mean, I ended up winning, but it was it was pretty close on points. Uh, Brett built Salamander's Army from scratch when he decided to do um, Adepticon. So he built probably around a thousand points of Salamander's all done because he built a jump list and he built a standard like breachers list. So he could go either way when he when he played ZM and they came out really good. So but like I said, it was pretty close first round. Um, what really helped me out in that game was I had a cyber ocularis on the, um, the old mago. So that one thing, which usually just gives a buff to somebody, I was able to jump around the board and with its two little last cannons, I was able to jump it onto objectives and, and shoot things up and set them on fire, which was pretty cool. So what's that equipment? What does that do? So it's a cyber Oc. It's, um, it's basically, they don't have a model for it, but I've, I've made one kit bashed one out of, um, green stuff and some pieces from some of that, the uh, mech. Gets. but basically it's kind of like a little droid that um is linked to your magos and you can put it out into other units like your Thalax, and it transfers uh the magos' buffs so um things like his uh, it raises their ballistic skill it, it it transfers interceptor to them so it's a it's kind of a neat little toy and Does it can it join
2: it's like basically it's basically like a fancy uh nuncio vox
1: Exactly, it's like a moving nuncio box that you can transfer between units. Nice. So, so yeah, it's it's a nice little thing. So, your cortex controller. So it does not, which is one thing that a lot of people wish it did, but um, it specifically does not do that. So you can't put it on a, um, you can't put it on into a, into a cybernetic list and and increase your cortex range. That would be a little bit. That would be kind of game breaking, to be honest, because you can run three of them at one time. So. if you were able to transfer that twenty-four inch buff from the that list to uh, to three independent things that were running on the board, I think they only cost like ten points apiece or fifteen points apiece. That would be crazy. So you'd basically just have independent, you know, t- uh, automata running all over the board. That'd probably be a game breaking mechanic. We'd hear people whine even more about the mech list. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, everyone, uh, always- <laughs> I guess we will not go there. Anyway,
1: no, so I, I've awesome. gotten used. To, I've gotten used to drinking the tears of freaking legions when they cry over the mech list. So it's just like, hey man, just just learn what my my weapons do. The freaking they're in the same book as you know, the same book you got access to. So <laughs> that,
0: that, that, this is why my wolf uh, army has nothing but plasmas upon plasmas upon plasmas.
1: Oh, absolutely, and that's a thing people forget that about the mech list. You get so much, you know, mech is OP, and then ever you don't forget that. Almost everything that Marines have is has got a AP four on it. You know, just their bolters, and it negate all of my armor saves. So, um, I mean, H3-5 I'll talk about
2: half.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I'll talk about it later in the games play. But yeah, we had a, we had some. There were some famous occurrences of that really coming back to bite me. So, but anyway, I played that game, and then the second game I played in was with a um, new guy that I just met this year, um, Jan Teeter. Um, he's a chef over in Chicago and he was playing blood angels. And, um, that was a really close, close game. Cause it was basically fighting for the bridge of a ship and the navigator was kind of like wandering around the bridge. So the defending player actually got like a navigator token. And so you got to use the navigator rules from, um, forge world with the, um, instant death eyeball and that kind of stuff. And uh, the traders were trying to go into the ship and kill a navigator. And, uh, the, the, um, the defenders were trying to protect the navigator. So, from oh, the, could, uh, the could
0: you move the navigator?
1: You absolutely. You could. You could go in. You had to. You had to find the navigator. He was on the bridge because you didn't start off on the bridge. If you were the defender, you had to get to the bridge and try to secure him before the bad guys got there. And then um, oh, wow. once once you got him, you got all of his. Because um, he's got some pretty wicked rules. I mean, he's he dies quick. Um, I mean, he's just a, a you know a human with some 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 psychic abilities. But um, but yeah, he's got like an instant death eyeball, Ray. So he, like, looks at you and freaking kills you, So which is pretty cool.
0: Wow. It, it sounds like that these Zone Mortalis games are very thematic. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, I, I didn't really experience anything like that in the other events.
1: And, and that's one of the things I love about playing the, the Zone Mortalis events with Green Legion. I mean, every table is extremely unique. Um, you don't play on a single table in Zone Mortalis that doesn't have really crazy rules. Like there's a there's a table where you're fighting for the center and if you get to the center there's a knight and you can activate it. So you end up with a with a knight inside a ship freaking raging around. Yes, you can and activate the knight. Night. Yes, there is actually there's you're basically fighting over a hangar and there's a knight in the middle of it and the first one to get to it can roll to try to activate the knight and use its weapons so it's right, pretty cool <laughs> it, it gets really nutty you've got ones where you're trying to of course blow up the plasma core or, or fight your way to the gun deck and um so like i said i, I played jan teeter on that one and uh that was a pretty close game i ended up winning because i got to the navigator um before jan could um protect him so um but he was a great guy and his army looked great and then um third what game was he, he was playing blood angels so, you know, a normal you know the 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 normal blood angel mix he had some plasma troops, I think, and he had bolt guns and one blade of salty tears running around but um it was a pretty close game, but, like I said, he's a great player um he's out of Chicago he's local, so I was able to get his information from him, so hopefully. Um, he even talked about, I mean, he didn't know what the meta was like over here in Michigan. And he was like, Hey, didn't know that you guys were doing that much. I was like, yeah, definitely get over for some stuff and come over for Michigan GT. So hopefully we'll see some more of him.
0: The, the answer to what the meta is like in Michigan, I would say very chillaxed.
1: Oh, absolutely. So,
0: so yeah, we're a good time.
1: Just call. <laughs>
0: you can find our phone number on the inside of the bathroom do- door stall at Adepticon. Depticon
1: for a good time we're not nearly as beat face as the indiana group so it is definitely more more of a beer and pretzels kind of group not not that the indiana group's bad guys it's just when you go play with the indiana guys man they whip out some serious ruleage on you, so there's they just,
2: play to play. Sir. They
1: play to play, <laughs> and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. They just they they, they take their heresy seriously, so they're good spirits about it. But yeah, it's a definitely a different now because I go down to the to Ryan's and play every now and then. It's definitely a different feel between the two. I mean, everybody's friendly and everybody's funny, but but yeah, there's definitely much more of a, a focus down there, so on <laughs> winning games.
0: Focus i got to focus on that beer pile over there. <laughs> I just get it. Yeah. Anyways,
1: uh, so that's that's pretty awesome. Well, it sounds like the themes on the tables were amazing. Did you? Just, how many games did you play that game? So I ended up playing three, and I played Doug again. Um, I played Doug for the first time that day, and I, I played him over on the Miami Vice board again because he was like, hey, let's go play the Miami Vice board. So so went and played that one more time, So which was a really okay. good time. Did you get so. to pick your opponents? So you you basically the way they worked it it was one round the the traders went in and picked a table that they wanted, and then the loyalists would just basically file into the hall on the opposite side and and pick an opponent. You were able to like look across the board and look across what they had and, and choose what you wanted and then they would flip that the next round the the loyalists would go in and stand behind a table that they wanted to play on, and then the traders would file in and and pick a random opponent. So you weren't assigned. It was, I mean, like I said, everybody's so chill in the ZM event. There's a, a lot of guys that show up and play the ZM event that are just, they're weekend warrior kind of gamers. They don't play a whole lot, so they don't want to bring a list where they're playing a frontline game and they're trying to manage 3,000 points or 2,500 points and trying to manage the rules for a bunch of different units. And like I said, you get a lot of 30K guys that like 30K, but they're, they're older guys that just don't have the time. Play a whole lot, so the only time they play is Adepticon or Big Cons, so it, it's really chill. So everybody helps everybody out, and like I said, it's with it being lower points and really themey, it's easy to play, so it's still a lot of fun.
0: Anything else for uh Friday?
1: No, that was it. I mean, and, and then Saturday was a lot more the same. We um we did the uh, Scar Chthonia again, but we had some different opponents. We um we made a point to play on there's that one team board in Scar Chthonia where you you get to team up and do a 2v2. And we played that one, which is uh, basically just a fight over a ship. So, fighting over the central corridors of a ship and with regular, it, it's really similar to a really normal zone telesport, which just having some points out there that you're fighting over. But it, you get to mix it up because you get to team up with somebody else with a different force. I teamed up with um, Ryan Powell out of Colorado. He runs a um, Sons of Horus army, so it was really easy for me to throw my mech side by side with him, and then Brett and Doug lined up on the other side, so we had Salamanders and Imperial Fists um, on the other side playing against us, which was pretty cool. So, and that I was a game. It was
0: pretty cool that you guys all came together and played
1: every single game together. To, to, to <laughs> we play, we did play it, <laughs> and we did end up. Part of it's because we don't see each other hardly at all. We chat all the time, but we never get to spend. We never get to hang out and play games. So there was there there was a little bit of freaking going to all the way to Adepticon and playing with your buddies. But um but yeah, it was it was still a good time. So in fact that game was probably the most frustrating for me. I had a great time, but my Urserax, um, which I use in my force, which are the um the really punchy version of the Phallax, they they do work every time for me, except this time. And um I I came up against Doug's Imperial Fist. And he made a made an initiative check on reaction fire, and as I was in the charge and just mowed down all of my Ursa-Rex, it was just brutal. <laughs> they got like a two up save, don't they? No, they don't they're they're standard mechanicum. they've got a four up save. They've just got lorica phalax, so it's not they're they're if they get into combat with you, they're going to hurt you because they're I, I run my guys with all power fists. but if you can catch those guys in the open, with Bolter Fire, especially with Imperial Fist, with all of their bonuses to Bolter Fire for Bolter Drill, and then making an initiative check on on your um, your reaction fire, so you're firing a ballistic skill for...
2: As Imperial Fist, too, yeah. so that doesn't help.
1: Exactly. So it was Imperial Fist, and he made his initiative check, and I'm running into double tap, I'm running into full... Just, just ugly, ugly bolter fire, and just I had this vision in my head. I mean, I could almost see it like it was really happening. You know, these ursereks making this mighty charge, and these fists, this gun line just mowing. You know, pieces of them flying off as they're hurling towards their line. So it's was, it was a pretty thematic yeah. point in the game. So, but um, let me a little bit frustrating PTSD cause from bolter fire. I did, man. It was it hurt me. So because, like I said, my ursereks never go down like that. They usually, um, they usually. I mean, hell, I've had ursereks. Three Ersracks punch their way through Secmat, but um, so yeah, it was brutal. It was just brutal, yeah. but it was it was it was steamy. It was fun. Usually,
0: it requires a couple of tequila to get Ersracks to go down.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but now I like sit. So, oh hold on, hold on, now hold on. Remind me, uh, Brian and, and, and Chris, what makes uh, Imperial Fist so great at Bolter fire?
1: So Bolter drill. They get a uh, bump to their. Um, Ballistic skill, right? Right, Brian?
2: They're, they're ballistic skill five. If they shoot yeah. any bolt, pistol, bolter, heavy bolter, any bolt weapon, they go to ballistic skill plus one. So essentially five on everything.
1: So I had charged into basically just a wall of bolter fire at ballistic skill um, from 10 imperial fists and with guys that didn't have an armor save and had a six up feel no pain. Yeah, it was just ugly. It was just ugly. <laughs> So, uh, so they have to stand still. You said so. No, they get that ballistic skill buff all the time, right, Brian? I, yep. I don't. Yeah, they can move it's, and still shoot a, with with the ballistic skill. It's a constant bonus. Yep.
2: It's yep. uh, yeah. It's why you only ever see the heavy bolter, uh, rapier chassis in either an Iron Warriors army for the shrapnel rounds for pinning, or in a. Imperial Fist Army for the plus one ballistic steel twin link.
1: Yeah, it's just ugly.
0: Ah, well, that sounds pretty awesome. Let's 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 move on a little bit. Uh, so what hap- what happened after that in the game?
1: So um, Ursarax died. Um, basically, everything I had got murdered. Um, Ryan Powell held out pretty good with his his um, his sons of Horus and kind of battled the Salamand Brett Salamanders down to a stalemate. Um, and then the only thing that saved it, the game ended up being a draw, like it was going to be a big fail, but Doug's Delegatus took off for a, um, to try to capture a point with, um, the last few guys in one of his squads. And as Delegatus was coming around a corner, my Magos was standing there and I was able to take two lucky photon thruster shots and just murder the Delegatus, which gave us slaying the no, world, which, which was pinnacle. Yeah, absolutely it was a, it was enough in that final phase for us to at least tie the game by killing a warlord so but that made it pretty fun too so because my my photon thruster hadn't done crap all game until then and then it was like freaking bam bam and freaking two perfect shots and just murdered the delegatus
0: wow <laughs> uh great great dice rolling on your behalf and so, dice roll on his behalf
1: mm-hmm. so but that so. was about it you know we we play those games um we walked around the vendor hall several times. We spent way too much money. On Saturday. Yep.
0: Yeah, so and, it um, smelled like rotten eggs for you?
1: So it did. It did. What was up with that, man? So yeah, it was I like think
0: one of the vendors
1: had gas. I mean to be honest with you. It like, was so horrible, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh I I was just thinking it was nerd funk, you know, day three nerd funk, but it was it was bad. It was really bad.
0: I really think- that uh, Depticon needs to be sponsored by like Febreze or Airfax, something of that manner.
1: So yeah, it's it, me and me and Doug always make the joke when we show up to Adepticon that there's no way you can find a Molly Maid in all of Chicago that weekend because all of the moms in Chicago have finally got their their 22 year old son out of the basement, so they're they're having industrial cleaning done. Oh
2: <laughs> God. <laughs> We just have to enforce the grooming standard,
1: guys. So, well, that's the good thing. Hey, people were complaining about the you know heresy getting bumped up to the other hall, but um, from 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 my perspective, dude, I love being up there. I don't care if yeah. we don't get foot traffic. I don't care if if we don't get as much notoriety. The, the heresy community doesn't need any more than it's already got. It's a great group of guys that are always going to show up. But to not have one to have carpet. So the it's like the noise level is just so much lower in that hall than it is in those big ones, and um and like I said, the nerd funk it's there's some there's there's a level of maturity and and I think deodorant that goes along with a heresy crowd that just doesn't translate to some of the other systems.
0: <laughs> That's right. We are better than the rest of you, and we know it.
1: <laughs> so absolutely, which going
0: to be a subject of one of our next podcasts, I think.
1: But anyways, so, uh... <laughs> but yeah, that was. That was your that Saturday, was, right? Yeah, that was our Saturday. And, you know, we didn't do anything on Sunday. It was Sunday, we were actually just going to come back over and say bye to everybody. But we had we had shopped ourselves silly. We had we had played games, and it was kind of like Christina was cooking dinner. So we all just said, hey, Sunday morning, let's just get up. We'll hit the road, and we'll get back. And, and we basically stayed here at the house and had barbecue and chatted until the, the late hours of the evening. And that then, must um,
0: be some good dinner.
1: She must be a so, good cook. So she is a good cook. <laughs> we had homemade mac and cheese. It was full Southern freaking old school barbecue. In fact, I need to do that for for the 500 Worlds crew. Uh, you guys need to come over one time. We'll do barbecue and, and gaming one weekend.
0: I am down. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I want to talk a little bit about my Saturday because I, I totally forgot to mention it. Last podcast, we were, I think, pushing like two and a half hours recorded. And it's like, oh, my God, I want to go to bed. But Absolutely, man. I played in the main narrative event um on Saturday the uh oh gosh why am I having such a brain fart but the, yeah uh Gomesia so played yeah. the Gomesia day 3 event which is a, a team event uh, and I brought my wolves and um again I went 2 and 0 but uh earlier that day I was hanging out with uh Lucas and he he asked me if I wanted to team up and I was like heck yeah I do he had uh Lucas brought his uh, Dark Angel uh, with a uh, all tanks. You know, so he's running the armored.
1: Armored Breakthrough. Or, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Tons of Predators and all that jazz. And I had a very mechanized space wall force. And uh, like a and Daredeo Land Raider, uh, Lightning. So like we had a lot of tanks on the board. So the two of us uh, ganged up. And um, I'll tell you what. The two of us were the only ones who won. Both games as loyalists that that day. We just got horn swaggled as loyalists. Like the, the traders tore us up.
1: <laughs> you sure you sure the word bearer and you wasn't coming out and you were kind of like losing on purpose? <laughs> well, I wasn't losing. I I, I won. Every oh, you game. were winning. You were winning. Okay, I got you. I got you back. But the there.
0: rest of my teammates were not. Oh. And in that Gomesia campaign, day three was flipped from the loyalists to the traders in a total victory because like our loyalist teammates could not keep up. Oh yeah. Both games, Lucas and I got like that, like a very ser- we got like a token that says like this game matters for more points. Like, and we end up being like, what do you call that? When you're like uh, the ringer, we're like the ringers, you know, and we won both our games. Uh, so we contributed more to the campaign. And even, even despite that, uh, things just got a bit brutal, but, I do want to talk uh, just... I mean, I'm not going to go over the games too much, mm-hmm. but uh, I had some crazy dice rolling that I wanted to mention a little bit. The very first game, Lucas and I were playing uh, <clears throat> We're playing a game, and I deep-striked in with uh, my plasma vets in my termite, or not plasma, uh, plasma support squad, in my termite with the Speaker of the Dead. I, I, we nuked something. I can't remember we nuked. But the following opponent turn, my opponents took 28 shots at me like, and I took 28 saves in a row and I only failed one time between my two up and five up feel no pain. Oh, wow. Yep. And, uh, I could just see my, it's hard not to laugh, but I could just see my opponents like faces starting to get frustrated. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just secretly hoping I roll one a little bit, but at the same time, like, well, this is kind of fun, you know, like, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, that was that was bonkers, but yeah, uh, uh, so I <laughs> so the game was like lost, like to the so the traders ended up winning the entire Gomesio event in the, yep. in the middle, uh, in the middle of our last game that we were playing. I got Delta card, and you had these cards that could apply effects to the game, my card allowed me to go to the actual map table and roll a die on two territories, one controlled by loyalists and one controlled by traders and a five up, it flipped control of that. Oh, wow. So I went to the table at the end, uh, before the end of the game was up and asked, Hey, where would this be most effective? And they told me I could wait until the whole campaign was done and I could flip something if it mattered. And uh, so I did at at the end of the, the last round of the day, I went back up to the table and they told me that, uh, traders were winning basically by one territory.
1: Oh, So did you end up pulling the whole thing out?
0: Well, <laughs> I got up there and I picked a loyalist first. Cause I was like, let's get the loyalist over with. And I rolled the die and I didn't flip it. So that brought it to the trader, the trader one. So on a single one third chance, five up, I bring a victory to the loyalists for the entire
1: campaign. <laughs> so all of Gomeza for the final Gomeza ever. For the fine of the fall of Gomeza came down to a single die roll that came from a single campaign table. Yep.
0: From yours truly. <laughs>
1: So that you've gotta and like you've gotta go down in a book somewhere as the you know the the final moment of all of Gomeza. I mean cause how long has Gomeza been going on? It's like years.
0: Yeah, I think four or five, yeah. Yeah. So what do I do, you might ask? Well, I tell you what I did. I rolled a one. Wow. Which meant that Loyalist lost Gomez. <laughs> I failed to flip a territory. <laughs>
1: See, I thought you were going to this and this story was going to you you won thing. So I I had no idea we were going to you lost everything.
0: Yep. So the good news is I didn't cause us to lose, but I could have, if luck had been a lady that night, caused the loyalists to win the entire shebang.
1: So I'm still thinking that there is some word bearer freaking dust on your dice and um, they just weren't going to let that happen.
0: I do do use a word bear baby powder. It's made up of ground up um flesh that's burnt by the Ashen Circle. It smells like sweet victory Loyalist smell. Mm. (laughs) So that was my Saturday. Uh it it was a lot of fun. Um, but um, also as we talked about the last podcast. I was pretty damn sick and I had almost no voice, uh, by the end of the day. So this is actually, yeah. was an early, early night for me sadly.
1: Yeah. You got the nerd funk that everybody else got, didn't you? Cause I know no, it was no, going I, around. I was, I was patient zero. I, I brought it to the kitchen. Okay. I know there were some people with some, some stomach issues. Well, that was from my barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
0: So no. Oh no, Brazilian barbecue. So okay. My going barbecue is <laughs> a whole nother thing. Also delicious. Also delicious, yes.
1: So I can't not imagine to be confused with Korean? Yeah. I can't imagine gaming the uh, day Korean, after I that's, went.
0: That's that's cats and dogs, right?
1: So yes it is. So and and it tastes pretty damn good. So as my cat walks by and gives me a dirty look.
0: <laughs> I would hey, eat cat. That they don't have cat, souls. man. But anyway, so, Dogs no, go to heaven. Cats go to hell. So I would definitely eat a cat.
1: So, oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm a cat guy. That hurts, that hurts me to you <laughs> See,
0: I, uh, I didn't really, I would never guess you're a cat guy. I mean, first of all, you don't have gray hair. You're not a woman and you don't drive a Subaru. So, <laughs> so.
1: Well, I am looking at a Subaru Crosstrek. <laughs> So you pegged that one, but, um, but, but, um, I drive a Honda HRX, which is pretty close to a Subaru and, um, I have been a cat guy right
0: now, but I'm dabbing,
1: (laughs) 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 but no, I have always been a cat guy. So dogs drive me nuts. I cannot stand to be jumped on by dogs. I don't know what it is. I just, my entire life, I've just never been much of a smelly Uh, dog. Dogs should jump
0: on people. You just kick those ones. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's always somebody I've else's never dog had one. I've it's never had a dog that jump really
2: on jumped on people Yeah, you know my that, dog That uh, will not jump on you so I have dog I knew that it. absolutely hated the UPS guy That was it
1: But no, I, I'm always that guy that walks in And I go to somebody's house They've got a dog And I'm wearing nice clothes And the dog is like Just walked through shit And decides that that's the point That it wants to to introduce itself to me With two paws and a hug So, and I'm just like, "Ah." no, 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 no. Much more of a cat guy. They're clean. They're fun. They're nice. They're, they're easy going. So, so they're, they're smart as well. They will
0: eat you minutes after you die. Oh, without a doubt. If
1: if my cat right now, we we joke around the house. If my cat had 20 more pounds on her, she would kill us and eat us, but she's adorable. (laughs) I have a rule though. When it
2: comes to pets, I don't have a pet that I have to take care of its own fecal matter.
1: Absolutely, and that's you know my wife's a dog person, and we had that conversation, and it was like, are we gonna get a we gonna get a dog? Or are we gonna get a cat? I was like, you know, a cat, I don't have to get up in the middle of the night or late at night or early in the morning to let it out so it doesn't poop on my floor. It'll just go in its little box, do its little business, and that's the end of it. When I get around to it, I can scoop out the box. That's wh- that's one of the things I do love about cats. So. Anyway, I, I watch dog owners like worship their dogs and I just, uh, nah, I can't, I can't be taking a dog out when it's 10 degrees and walking it around and please poop for Papa. No, I, it's not me.
0: You're soft. You're soft. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, let's, let's jump into a new topic. Our topic right now is weathering. What, what's going on, Chris? What do you have for us for weathering?
1: So I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about some do's and don'ts for weathering. Um, one of the big ones that I want to get to up front, weathering powder. If you are a gamer and you play with your miniatures, you put them on a board, you pick them up, you handle them. Don't use weathering powder. Just don't. it. Um, weathering powders, even the Forge World stuff, the Vallejo stuff, it doesn't matter what you're using. It's a dry pigment, and it's meant for people that are doing... Wargaming models that are going to go up on a freaking shelf and never be touched or for people that are doing fantasy models for golden demon and crystal brush, because there is no way to get weathering powder to dry and stick to a model unless you put something on it that makes it lose all the value of weathering powder.
0: Wait, 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 wait. So wait a minute. Shut the front door. on. You're telling me every single weathering class I've gone to that introduces weather pigments and yep. every single website, they're all wrong, don't
1: you? They're them. absolutely wrong. You are basically paying a lot of money for what you could go, one, paying a lot of money for what you could go to Hobby Lobby. You could buy a bunch of artist freaking pastels and chalks, you know, those, those really cheap sticks you buy, and you could run it across a piece of sand, sandpaper and turn it into powder, and then you throw it on your model. And even if you glue it down, it, it because it's a powder... You're basically gluing the backside of the powder. So if you handle it, if you touch it any way, that stuff is just going to brush off.
0: Wait, now wait, wait. I I have used weathering powders specifically yep. rust variants. I gotta say it comes
1: out great.
0: It looks beautiful. I, I can tell it. you that
1: I used it on my mole. And the one way that you can use weathering powder on models that you're handling is if you're talking about like down in tracks. Are like not on the mole, but on the um, the termite down in the gears, down yeah, in those winding bits of the drill point. bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, down in there, where nothing's going to touch it, there's a good chance that it's going to stick and it's going to stay. But if you've got anything on a flat surface on the edges that your your fingers are going to brush against, you will brush that stuff off. So even it's just even clear coat is going to brush and, it off. And well, if you here's the thing: if you clear coat it or you mat it down and you put something over it. It loses the look that it has as weathering powder. And that that's what I was getting to. You would be better off using a sand-colored or a rust-colored paint, an acrylic paint that you spray on real lightly at the end, just down low, and producing that same effect with something that's not going to wash off the model or rub off the model. Not wash off, I, but rub off the model.
0: I almost want to disagree... Uh, because of how the, the pattern of the application is is put on, the weathering the difference between weathering powders being dabbed on, and an airbrush and a brush, the way it looks on a surface is vastly different.
1: Oh, it does. I mean, because you, when you're using a spray paint, you're actually, or you're using a paint through the airbrush, you're actually producing a layer. If you put that layer in really slow and you vary that layer by different shades you can get something that looks really similar. And one of the things that I've done in the past is you can make up washes with acrylic paint that will, and what I usually do is I, I, I get it really, really super thin, almost like you're doing that um, verdigris kind of pattern with blues and stuff like that, but you can also do it with rust stuff. And if you just wash that on and let the acrylic paint dry down in those 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 areas of recess, you'll get a very similar effect using freaking powders. So and it won't no come off. joke,
0: uh, you gave me some of that uh, ink yep. last time you were over here. And that's exactly what I did a couple weeks ago with my airbrush. Just yep. use that little uh, juice that you gave me, put it in nice thin layers, created a really nice, like almost washed effect without mm-hmm. actually having to like drain my model in the wash.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and like I said, to each his own, there are people out there. They're going to use weathering powders. They're going to put them all over their models. And like I said, if, you, if you've if got models, like if you've got a, a an individual you know, 28 scale marine and you've got a pretty big base on them and you're just doing the feet and it's just that, that little area around the bottom or it's just in those grooves down there on that freaking dirt that you're producing in the bottom of the base, that stuff is going to stay there. But if you're putting weathering powders, especially like on the side of a rhino, on the side of a predator, and you're handling those sides, you're going to rub that stuff off. And I've even seen where people have put it on a little bit too thick and they'll start rubbing it and they'll leave fingerprints in their in their weathering powders. Um especially when they're handling their models a lot and you know you're sweaty sweating in a game room. Like I said, I'm just telling people for the for the purpose of weathering, I lean away from powders unless it's something I'm just not going to handle. Because I've had bad experiences with it just washing off, rubbing off, doing things I don't like and I've looked at other forums and talked to other people and they basically said, "Hey, yeah, you're absolutely right. The main way that they tell you to uh, to apply like forge world powders and vallejo is to use mineral spirits and then just put a slight bit of mineral spirit on and then and then brush the powder on top of that. So it will dry. But the thing is it, it, powders never truly dry. It will hold on when that mineral spirit goes away with the tiniest level of bond to the edge of that surface of the model. And if it gets touched, it's going to come off. So there's does, there's better ways to produce the effect if you want it. Death Guard players, please take note, since you guys are the
0: ones who cake everything in rust and dirt. So, yep, I personally
1: and,
2: take offense to that.
0: <laughs> you shouldn't. You should you totally should.
1: Now, now, now because that i
0: garbage, you garbage.
1: Now, now that I've gone and I've 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 talked about freaking weathering powders like they're garbage and pissed everybody off that uses weathering powders. One of the things that works a lot better than Rebel weathering Rebel powders Rebel. is. Um, is, is oils. Now oil paints are time consuming. They, um, take a little bit of time to practice using, but, um, you can get really cheap oil-based paints from, um, any of the hobby stores and you need a little bit of mineral spirits to use it. And the one thing with them is you've got to make sure that you completely seal your model before you start playing with oils, but oil washes Will now, why aesthetic. is that?
0: Why why do you gotta completely seal your model before you deal with it? If
1: you don't them? seal your model, those oil based paints will react with the acrylic surface and they will start messing up your paint. There there are cases where guys just paint a model, they don't put any clear coat on it, and they immediately start applying stuff to it with the oils and they start basically washing their acrylic off. So it's oh, almost like, like applying thinner to the surface.
0: Seems like a nice way to do wet blending. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, poor man's wet blending. That's what we'll call it. But like I said, I, I learned oils from Matt Kane at my last Matt Kane class. And uh, we just used a couple colors. We used um, just black, burnt umber, and burnt sienna. And various mixes of those three. And applied them to the edges of the vehicles. And it, it just produces some really nice rust and some really nice weathering effects. So um, that are permanent. But with oils, you got to basically let them dry overnight. But once they dry, they're pretty bulletproof, and then you just seal them in with regular acrylic varnish and it it'll keep that look so you don't have to worry about it.
0: Hmm.
1: Washing off your uh, model. Uh, yeah that, uh, did
0: you say a brand?
1: Did you recommend a brand already? So I use Windsor Newton. Um, I get them from Hobby Lobby, but honestly with with oil paints, you can use any of the cheap you know academy paint or any of those companies oil based paint for the purposes of what we do. Um, using it in very limited amounts is, as long as you've got good color to it and you're happy with the color, it, there's not a huge difference that you need to worry about. You're not doing something that needs to, you know, hang in the Vatican for 400 years. So, but, um, follow up question. How's the cleanup yeah. for it? So the cleanup, if you use clear mineral spirits, it's pretty easy. Um, I actually keep a, a bottle of like waste mineral spirits, a seal bottle. I use a Mason jar and that's what I rinse all my brushes in because the mineral spirits last a really long time. Um, but when you're going between brushes, you want to, you want to use, you want to have a I I use just a big plastic cup that I put a little bit of mineral spirit. It takes very little mineral spirit to thin oil paint and it takes very little oil paint to produce the effects you're going to want. I mean, just, you start with the tiniest little amounts and start applying it. Um,
0: Wait, so, so, yep. uh, I, th- I think that you brought over one of these washes uh, in a Bell uh,
1: mason jar. Is it just so, your leftover? That piece? one was a different one. No, 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 no. <laughs> no listen, I didn't get paint. No, that was a different watch. That was the one that's, um, that I talked about, like our first episode together. That's the one that's based on the floor polish from Pledge. So, and that's just various um, inks. That's another Matt Cain um, thing, t- technique he teaches in his classes, but he mixes a bunch of different washes from GW, a bunch of different colors um, into a, um, a future solution. And then that's the, what they call the magic sauce wash that, um, they give out the exact recipe. Matt Kane just doesn't, he doesn't want us to give that out. So if you take any of his classes, he'll give you the exact formulation, but just know, it's just various colors of ink that he's come up with over time with certain shades that produces a pretty universal wash because it's got a bunch of different colors in it. So when it settles, it, it kind of, it's hard to explain. It kind of color That's matches itself to things around it. It is. It's a it's a rainbow wash, but it's a it's a universal magic sauce wash that he puts on everything. So um, that he teaches in his class. Magic so sauce. Take, so yeah, mm-hmm. if you take the class, mm-hmm. he gives you the recipe. So, but just to, out of respect for Matt, it's not something I'm going to go out there on a podcast and list exactly what's in his, in his recipe. But but everybody knows it's it's G.W. Inks and Pledge. It's just a mixture of that. So but so, the, the various Inks so, that he uses is
0: paint so we're talking about oil-based paints
1: so absolutely oil-based paints windsor and newton they're paste type paints you mix them with mineral spirits and them up and um, you can do really neat pin wash effects with them also so um, if you want to get panel lines to really stand out the capillary action that you get from mineral spirits and oil-based paints is just amazing you can just touch a panel line and the stuff literally runs for inches down that panel um, and carries that mm-hmm. paint into it um, That's you can awesome. do you, it is, you can do the same thing with acrylics. I've got a, I've got a link on my webpage where I did the Maragol dreadnought from the word bearers. And I, I wanted to do all the cracks on the Maragol so that it looked like there was basically like lava underneath him or superheated metal. So I wanted a, like a yellow and white effect to the cracking that was on him. And I, I was able to achieve that. And the way you can do it with acrylics, it's a little bit different. You know, the oil-based one, you just put put a put a dry coat on it with um, any gloss varnish, and it works. Um, the same thing kind of works with the acrylics. You want a good solid dry gloss coat to the things that you're going to apply it to, and then it it the acrylic paint you mix it super thin with whatever your color doing, and when you touch those cracks and crevices, the capillary action will pull it down into it. Um, you put a so, tiny- uh- With that, I was going to say, for our listeners, you want to remind everyone of your website? So, yes, it is. um, God, you just put me on the spot and I forgot my own website. It's addictedtoresin.blogspot.com. So I'm not talking about um, marijuana resin. I'm talking about resin from Forge World. So um, I have had people ask me that before. (laughs) Like, oh, your blog's pretty funny, so you smoke a lot of freaking hash. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what it means addicted to forge world resin so um but okay. yeah well, so <laughs> but yeah addicted to resin all one word and if you scrub scrub through um some of my posts there's one on the margal dreadnought Show, how to use that acrylic technique with doing I'm the, um, like
0: i'm going to have to make an like ultra website that's addicted to resin dot net and it'd be like a bunch of marijuana stuff in
1: it and <laughs> <laughs> point people there put my picture up there make sure i never get a job. The rest my put a, life. put so. a bunch of
0: dark mechanic, come smoking some joints.
1: <laughs>
0: pause, pause,
1: pass. <laughs> that explains scrap code. But um, but no. So I just I just pulled the website up and it's 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 a the link is called um da-da-da-da-da. So um, finished the um, finished and death to the Smurfs is the name of the post. So um. So I actually put some ultramarine Ooh, stuff with Zach. Will, Zach will really <laughs> appreciate there's some dead ultramarine stuff on the, the base of the Margol. But um, it the goes step kind by of step. The ultramarine stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, it goes step right. by step through the, the technique of how to do that, um, the, to use that, that effect. Basically, so you're, doing, you're doing what you would do with um, oil-based paints. But if you really are careful with it, you can almost achieve the same exact effect with your um, acrylic paints. But anyway, back to what we were talking about, oil-based paints and pin washes, that's what all of the military modelers do to make panel lines stand out. And um, it's really effective. It's really easy to do. And you can do it on your models too. So
0: uh, I just realized this. Zach yep. is outnumbered three to one loyalist to trader.
1: You know, r- Brian came over um, the night before last and we had that exact same conversation. As soon as Zach said in the chat the other day that, hey, we need to put Brian on the show full time, my first thought was, oh my God, he's just glutton for punishment. He wants three traitors on the (laughs) friggin' podcast with him. So the next time he cries about having a Smurfs made fun of, just remember, he walked down this road himself.
0: (laughs) So uh, I know know you just said Smurfs, but for some reason in my head, I like... Heard initially, man purse. I guess I didn't really <laughs> challenge it either because he's an ultramarine player.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I told you. You know what the main the main color paint you use to paint ultramarines is right? Um, you threw all really hard, no, right? Bathhouse blue. House blue. <laughs> <That was> blue.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I guess I could I, I could feel for Zach. You know, like as a dude living in a house with nothing but ladies. Probably same feeling.
1: You know, but if I was a dude living in a house with nothing but ladies, well actually no, those would be those would be freaking those would be somebody I was related to. So yeah, I won't go down that that road. (laughs) (laughs) All I heard was living in a house full of women and I'm I'm immediately Emperor's children, but that's just not a family joke right there. So (laughs) reach into your memory bank, pluck out all that military lingo
0: conversation, uh, out and throw it away. So
1: well, it's it's like in my house, it's nothing but guys. I mean, I had had two boys, and my wife is practically—I mean, other than her look, she's a guy herself. She likes to hunt and fish, and again, she does guy stuff. So, so I'm a pretty lucky guy in that respect. She does guy stuff, quote unquote. I I, I got a girl that looks like a lady, likes to do guy stuff, so it makes things easy. So Uh, that's that's. We'll leave it at that. Yep. Yeah. We'll leave it at that because it's a
0: family friendly podcast. (laughs) But anyway. Uh, All right. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about on, uh,
1: you know, Inks? inks, No, uh, I mean, mean, you know, the only thing I'll add on AK Interactive and some of the other companies, um, the big companies out there, they all do some oil based stuff that's really good. You know, there's like engine oil, there's like fresh mud um there's different rust effects that stuff really does work um don't be afraid to go get a bottle of that stuff and use it on your your models if you if you like that 30k aesthetic of things being really dirty and looking like they really fought unlike the the 40k aesthetic of looking like it stepped out of a showroom floor and it's it's off an anime cartoon um if if you want that that, absolutely if you want that battle-hardened look that we all love in in 30k Um, go to some of the military modeler type effects and look up some of those websites. Just don't look at how to paint 30 K stuff. Go look at what the military modeler guys do in that community. Um, That's what forge world did when they did their forge world weathering guides, which if you can get your hands on those, those are absolutely great books Um, or find somebody else that owns it and just read them. Um, Those guys that they hired to do those two books for them, which were done, I want to say, Six to ten maybe maybe even ten years ago but um, those two books every effect that is used in there was brought over from the military modeling community um, and brought to forge world to to make their models have that kind of different look that didn't look like the normal heavy metal um, GW painted look they, they look like military models that were actually used in so that's a that's a really good place to start, and that's what those people are using they're using a lot of the things from A k or mig is another big company, but don't be afraid um we've all got um what is the the toy soldier up in detroit um, toy soldier I'm manager, Michigan manager toy company soldier. Michigan toy soldier that's the toy name of it. Soldier. Those guys have everything you can imagine when it comes to to weathering models and military modeling type stuff, just for our local listeners but um you, you can get all the stuff online too. So
0: so many company names in the last ten minutes. I think we need some sponsors. <laughs> we do.
1: <laughs> Anybody but GW, because they'll they'll try to make us freaking freaking be nice. <laughs> Sig sour? So oh six hour, I'm all about it. So it's especially if we all get free SIGs that we can model during the show. Six hour.
0: Uh, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a firearm manufacturer for those who are listening who might not know what that is. Um so, uh, you can refer to I think the last Crusade of Fire podcast where they talked about getting the six-hour. Uh, oh, sponsors. they did. They yeah, did.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. So, like, so anyway, we, like we came full right. circle. <laughs> 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 but now that's it for the weathering scene. So,
0: uh, Chris, real quick question: brushes. Do you have to do anything different
1: with the oil-based paints? Oh, uh, you do. Um, the second you use a brush. For anything that is oil-based, mineral spirits, or any of those products, that brush is never again to be used for acrylic paints. Um, it won't work. Um, it'll do nasty things when you put acrylic paint and water on it, and it's just not a good idea. So, what I honestly do, I don't use good brushes for doing the weathering that I do. I go out and I buy, you know, really cheap brushes from Hobby Lobby, just a pack of brushes, uh, the dirt cheap stuff. You can use the the super super synthetic, um, inexpensive brushes. And they do, a, they do a really good job.
0: So uh, definitely no sticking the ends of these brushes into your mouth and, and creating a tip.
1: No. And like, we, we, like we've all done. And I, I, in fact, I drank paint water um, a week and a half ago with my wife sitting there watching me. Um, I was painting um, rust effects and I had a whiskey sour next to me and I drank my paint water and she had a good laugh at me. But, yeah, definitely not something you want to do with an oil-based paint. Acrylic paint doesn't matter. You know, I've done that a million times. But, yeah, you don't want to do that. Don't want to do that with oil-based paint.
2: (laughs) Different kind of So I can say he definitely makes a really good one.
1: Absolutely. We'll get to that later when we talk about AT.
2: And uh, what about chipping effects?
1: Oh, yeah. That's a whole area of weathering that we just kind of, like, skipped over. Um, Since we've talked a ton about weathering today, I'll, I'll go real simply into what I do. I do, I've done hairspray chipping effects. And to be very honest, that's basically where you put a a hairspray layer down or some people make um, chipping effect fluid that you can put on. You let that dry and then you paint over it. And once you paint over it, you let that layer of acrylic paint dry. And then you'd come back with a toothbrush that's a little bit damp or something like that or a, a heavy bristle brush. And you basically push the paint off. Um, a lot of people really like that look. Um, a lot of the military modelers do use that look. I have found that I get really mixed results with it. Um, man, that seems like a good technique
0: though. Uh, uh, I I, um, I think my wife would, uh, probably not appreciate me stealing her Aquanet. Yep. Especially since I already steal everything else. Like, yeah. You know,
1: In fact, the, not just Aquanet, but it's something that's even cheaper that you can do. That's a very, it, it's the same thing as the hairspray technique. Um, I want to say this is in forge world book one, I think on weathering, but you can also do it with salt. You can mix up a, a crystal salt solution with, um, larger salts. Um, not, not like table salt, but salt. that's a little bit chalkier and you can mix that solution. You can put it on the, you can dab it on the, the, um, the model and then you can paint over it and then you can chip that salt off too. That, it basically works the same way. You're just putting something on the model that can be removed. Um, to um, to have the paint look like it's coming through, and the salt
0: mustard sounds awesome. I mean, it would be a great addition to your margarita. You know, so there it would
1: be, I, I, like you could know, lick if you dream- your
0: model a little bit.
1: Yep, yep. You could you could definitely do tequila and weathering effects. So that would that would work really well. But I have seen that done. Now, what I personally do, and any of the weathering that you've seen on any of my models, is done the same way. I use the sponge method. Um. I, I like using the gray sponge material from the GW or other model makers that basically this, the spare pick and pluck foam that you've got, you basically just shred that. And that stuff
0: is great. The older stuff is. even more
1: because it was it the is. more
0: open cell. The old, really older yep. stuff was like a really huge open cell. Yep. Yeah. And
1: and even better than that, if you want a better pattern um, or you want a larger pattern when you're doing bigger vehicles, because that works really well when you're doing um, you know, just individual Marines. But if you want chipping effects and you want large mass chipping effects, you want them to have a little bit larger to the flake. Um, what I use is I get those those three M scouring brushes. They're usually like green or blue. Not the ones that have chemicals in them, just the ones that are dry for like scrubbing, you know, dish pans. And pans. Um, exactly. But you can get like three of them in at the mire for like, you know, two bucks. And you just pull that stuff apart like you do the pick and plug foam, you just shred that apart and it's got a really coarse texture to it, and you just dab that in the paint, dab it on the uh, a uh, paper towel, so you remove most of the paint out, and then you just start dabbing on the areas where you want to have wear. Yeah, and then you can layer colors as well. Absolutely, and and what a lot of people do is you can you can go through with like a I say I always say Mornfang because that's just the color I remember, but that rusty orange kind of brown. You chip that first. You kind of do that effect first, and then come back over it with a really dark steel in those areas where you've got those brown flakes, and then come back with your paintbrush if you really want to do something that is that that level, like, you know, that's this kind of stuff the crystal brush guys are doing. You get a really bright silver or something and just start doing little flecks on the edge of that paint where that chip is kind of like if you had a bullet, you know, round or, or shrapnel around ricochet across the hull of a vehicle, you're going to have that one area where you've got like a glint of steel. And then you've got a strip of paint where it's been, been flaked off to some of the underpaint that's under it. And that, that gets it looking like really sharp, but I don't go to that level on my, my play models.
0: I got to tell you, I did something um, that I thought looked really sharp for my space walls. I took the sponge technique for, Mm -hmm. and I did the highlight color. Yep. Followed by black, followed by metallic chrome, like uh, darker, like gun steel,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: I then I took the brighter stuff, like uh, like uh, shiny metal or whatever they call it, and did it again on, on like just the edges, yep. and uh, so that's four layers of like chipping effect, so mm-hmm. it looks like the paint is peeling back.
1: Yeah, and I thought that looked amazing. Yep. Oh, it does. It does. When it's done well, I mean, you can make some three-dimensional-looking effects just with a sponge technique, and that's why I say I, I don't do the hairspray stuff. I, I find the sponge technique to look pretty damn good for a tabletop model. Um, Probably more and
0: durable too. I mean, it, it is absolutely.
1: You- it's basically just paint. You just put paint on the model, and you're going to seal that in. For the same reason about weathering powders, do you think this does the salt rub model
0: paint off as well? Eventually, well, you're you going to play get, with it
1: a lot. You're going to get all that off. I mean, the intent of using the salt or intended using the hairspray is you're going to rub almost all that. Off. Okay. So, so, in the really process right of scratching right. it, where you want it, exactly. You're, the the salt is basically a is where your chips are going to be. Those individual pieces of salt. So you're going to strip that back. Um, But and the key to doing weathering, especially on vehicles, to make it look right is you got to think about a vehicle going down a road or having, you know, things explode around it. What faces of that vehicle are going to take impact? What what areas of that vehicle are exposed to stuff that's being kicked up in the road? Um, And those are the areas that you want to weather. Sometimes you see people do weathering and they do like the entire freaking vehicle. It's like, dude, that that's just, you know, just just go on a website, look at an old tank, and it'll show you where the <coughs> Death guard players. <laughs> and, well, yeah, the death guard players just it, but you know, I'm a de- I'm a former death guard player in rehab, so um basically it's just take the paintbrush and spatter some rust everywhere, and so look at, make it look really dirty because Mortarian just didn't want you to look clean. So, but um, but but especially with tanks, you know, weathering all of your hatch areas, anywhere a marine in ceramite is going to climb onto a tank and go into a tank, that's where the chipping is going to take place. So anything that's a handhold, anything that's a foothold, anything that's a hatch that opens, that's where you really need to concentrate those chipping effects or forward-facing plates uh, in the vehicle.
0: Or a bottom of vehicles for the, the you know, travel. would
1: Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Forward. You know, okay. stuff that's kicked up, you know, from the, from the, you know, physically riding down rocky roads, that kind of stuff, that's where all that chipping is going to be so uh this
0: has been a great segment i have one question for you though yeah all right um uh, do you do anything special for smoke effects you know smoke stacks exhaust
1: <sighs> for smoke effects um i i do a little bit of the heat effect on all of my smoke stacks or anything that that's going to be you know a weapon barrel that's going to have heat but How then when i that? So I, you know, I do it differently than most people. Um, Most people teach you to use inks like purples, blues, and golds um, and greens to do those effects. I use acrylic paint that's thinned down because I just find that it it produces a stronger color, um, temperature color. And I only use, I use one of the purples from Vallejo Game Air. It's a really rich purple, almost like an Emperor's Children purple. I use a color called French Blue from um, the model airline of Vallejo, just because it's la la. it's just, well, it's just, it's a really wonderful punchy blue. So most of the blues from um, GW are really kind of, they're kind of worn down. They're not, they don't have that bright uh. look to them. They're kind of flat. They're kind of blah. And with the, with, with temperature effects, you want it to kind of be punchy. Um, I use that. And then on all my smokestacks and everything I do where smoke is going to come out, exhaust is going to come out. I usually give it um, a layer of black, um, just regular, the mattest black you can find. I like the scale 75 um, black just because their their paint is the mattest matte stuff you can, you can buy. Um, I find that works really well. And you just do it really lightly. And then wherever you do your black, I always come back with um, uh, Army Painter Strong Tone. What and um is that? What is strong Army Painter Strong Tone? Army Painter Strong Tone is basically like their version of Agrax for washing models and producing depth to a model. Basically, it's for people that don't who want a really simple paint job. They paint it one color, they come up, they hit it with strong tone, and it kind of goes down in all those those crevices and kind of gives you a color modulation by using. So it's ink.
0: Agrax Earth Shade. That's what it's It, is,
1: it is. But it's it's much cheaper. It also cheaper than Agrax does a little
0: bit of lining.
1: It does. It's cheaper than Agrax. Um, It comes in in a dropper bottle, so you're not spilling it all the time, and it it applies right out of the bottle. And the beauty of the Strong Tone is it goes through an airbrush I've found better than Agrax or any of those other ones do. So one of the techniques that CK teaches, I think Matt teaches it a little bit too, but most of the people that teach you painting Mm -hmm. classes, the last thing they'll have you do is use something like Strong Tone to basically come in. Extremely lightly over all of the vehicle, and a little bit heavier around areas where you've got exhaust. And what that does is it produces this one kind of filter that goes over the entire model and ties everything together, so mm-hmm. that you don't have anything. That's a high level technique. It is. It is. It is. And, it, and 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 and, and um, Caleb over at where Squares by Army Painter Strong Tone. And I used it at the the first CK class I took. And and I've I've never, I haven't gone back. That's the only thing I use when I'm doing that effect. So, because it it just works better than anything else I've found. And it's really good, like if you're doing a dreadnought model, or you're doing a model where you've got a lot of shadows underneath arms and stuff like that, that strong tone is really good to um, put in those areas to produce, basically give shadow to large models in areas where there would be shadows. Without, you know, Going crazy, so it just gives you a really, really nice light way to put some some darker effects and just tamp down a color a little bit to produce, make it look like it's a little bit more shadowed and a little bit more three dimensional. All
0: right, so to recap, we have uh, acrylic purples, blues, flat blacks, and then
1: strong tone. Is that exactly exactly army painter strong tone? Uh, Chris, I, uh, I have
2: a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever tried using that uh, Reaper Master Series HD paint line? Because they've got some like neon bright ultra pigment colors.
1: I used some P3 ink for a little while to try to do this effect with, but I've never used the Reaper. And I didn't like the P3. So in fact, Caleb teaches his technique with the P3 inks. And I just think they end up looking a little too, they look a little too transparent to me um and i just i like my effect better and you know i'm not saying my effects better than killed by any means i'm just saying i just like the way it looks better so than that so i'd be willing to bet that 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 um reaper series stuff would is it clear or is it an opaque paint
2: it is an opaque they might have a clear now Um, so no
1: it'd be something that i'd be interested in trying so especially if you've got some
2: uh, welcome back to our next chapter where we discuss the very first game of Titanicus ever played in Chris's basement.
1: So, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I thought I was going to avoid the Titan bug. I've been putting it off. And um, all you guys talk about is Titanicus and i'll be honest that's I, not true i mean it was when we, it first came out but you guys been giving it some love man and i've been trying to fight that bug because i've got too many <laughs> systems and too many models but to be honest i went to Adepticon this year and saw the titanicus models and saw what you guys were doing and i was just like oh god i just i can't avoid it so and luckily one thing i'll let it is. It is. One thing to let you guys know, and let all the listeners know if you're thinking about getting into AT, don't buy your crap from GW. Jeff Bezos makes Titans too. So um, everything is available a lot cheaper on Amazon Prime than it is from GW. Or, I'll
0: just toss this out support your local friendly gaming stores.
1: Or, yeah, yeah. I just don't have it. Believe it or not, none of my gaming stores here in the Grand Rapids area are carrying AT at all.
2: Um, so. My store will only carry books. They have not bought any more models unless it's something I asked them to order me.
1: Exactly. And I only get a 10% discount at my my local gaming store. And it was just so much cheaper. So, just, and I could have it in two days by buying it from Mr. Bezos. So, I got the starter manipul.
2: Go ahead, Brian. So, it's, I had an incredible offer that I could not refuse from a friend of mine, he's a manager at a store here in Lansing.
0: Yeah. That's what sucked me in. Oh, yeah. that's right. You got a cheap deal on your Adeptus Titanicus grand master set. Yeah. What did, uh, what did I think you think it worked
2: out that? to be? I think it worked out to be basically his cost. Cause he wanted to get rid of it. I paid oh, $200 awesome. flat. Oh,
1: that's a good deal.
2: Damn. Damn. It was an amazing deal.
1: Yep. Well, I know I got the I got the starter Maniple set that's got the two Warlords. I mean, the one Warlord, the one Reaver, and the two Warhounds in it. And I picked that up for 140 And I think I got the rule set with all the templates and everything and all the cardboard cutouts for like 45 bucks from Amazon. So it was underneath $200 to have a full Maniple and all the rules delivered to the house in two days.
0: So the million-dollar question, Chris. Yes. What legio are you painting?
1: Well, I know that you said that everybody plays Mortis, but you know I'm a Dark Mechanicum guy and I'm just I'm going to have to do Mortis to start with. I just <laughs> I was I was looking at Volpa and I really like, you know, the idea of doing Volpa, but there's just ever since I looked at a Titan years ago and listening to, you know, being a Mechanicum player and listening to being a Dark Mechanicum player Mortis is just a legion I've got to do to start with, so I think I'm going to do a starting maniple of of Mortis to play, and then later on I'll probably do some some other stuff. I actually, I actually probably the first time I'm going to do a, a loyalist force in the in the future is I definitely want to do um, a loyalist army also.
0: So or how many uh, points did you two play?
1: What did we play the other day? We played. It was a, we had a we basically we just suited up the same thing. And it was what I had in the box. It was. Um, a warlord, a reaper, and two warhounds, and both of us had a banner in it of Sarastus Knights. So, an axiom. Each of us only uh, had one more. Yeah. We yeah.
2: we had a minimum size axiom and one yeah. banner of serastus Knights with three knights in it. Yep. Nice. So, it's
0: probably no, I, I,
2: 1250?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's probably right your, around
0: there. Uh, what did you think of the game then? So I
1: loved it. Um, uh, you know, being a, a 30k guy and and not a heavy gamer, more of a painter. You know, I, I found the rules at first to be you know people have called it a little crunchy. You know, there's are definitely crunching some numbers, but with the templates uh, are the 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 board pieces helping you keep track of everything, that makes it, you know it makes that bookkeeping one. It makes it kind of interesting because it's almost look, like you're looking at the you know the the gauges inside your Titan as a princeps, but, um, it makes that bookkeeping side of it a little simpler. And plus Brian's a great teacher. So, so he, I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced he took it easy on me because he, um, he wanted me to really like the game. So, but, um,
0: when he takes your hand. He's real gentle.
1: He is. He is. He, he he's, he's a sweetheart until he gets you to buy all the plastic crack. Then he starts wearing you out. So,
0: <laughs> Man, a lot of, a lot uh, of is out a, that way. Yeah. This is a family
2: friendly podcast. So I'm going to, no.
1: Really. No one said anything inappropriate <laughs> yet, Brian. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was it was a blast. I mean, it um we we battled back and forth and and I like the idea that things die, but there's just so much strategy to it. You know, in 30k, you kind of put it out there and within two rounds, usually you're blowing through a unit. But with uh having the units having such large units with so much firepower and also so many shields on the table. There's just so much to think about strategy-wise. Oh yeah, there's just so much to think about strategy-wise.
0: Yeah, especially it comes down to repairing
1: and priority
0: yeah. target priority repairing. Uh, it it's complex, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, it is enjoyable to think about like the possibilities, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it and and Brian was he was kind of like uh, you don't want to do that. So he was kind of playing that a little bit too, and just showing me you know ways that the the mechanics of how things work. You know, trying to get units to trying to get those heavy fire units like the warlords to them to have to make hard decisions, you know, keeping your, your Titans across the board far apart. So they're in different arcs for that one warlord. And he's kind of got to pick and choose and risk putting you in, in a side arc where you get those bonuses. That was really cool. I really enjoyed it. And I like the, the speed that the game plays too, with um, the Knights being so fast and the Warhounds being so fast, they just did a, a really good job of making the, the game feel like, what you read in the books when it comes to titans
0: that's awesome I, I i think about the the speed of those warhounds and knights and i i really absolutely want to make an all night army or maybe knights of warhounds you know just something small units tactically very fast quick I, I i think it wouldn't be very competitive but it would be super like you would require a lot of strategy to 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 like perform you know
2: yeah and that is where you're wrong i've tried this actually yeah, it plays really brutally effectively. So,
0: what did you run that you tried that?
2: So, I had two, three Lancer strong Cerastes or Lan- er, banners, um, and four Warhounds and a Looper Cal maniple, And I played <laughs> against Chuck, and he brought the Corsair manipul from Titan Death with four Corsairs and one Warhound. And I had basically tabled them by turn three.
0: Wow. So what 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 gave you the advantage that you know like with your smaller units? So
2: the Warhounds are exceptionally brutal. And I think a part of it played to my advantage that he didn't have a warlord with the mass quantities of high strength high strength shots you can have from yep. the dual sun furies or even Bellicosas. He did have a Volcano Cannon, but he could never land enough damage to effectively kill something. Gotcha. And the Lupercal Cal with its bonuses for shooting and getting plus two on its armor roll, if you do a coordinated strike, it takes that Strength 4 Vulcan Mega Bolter into something utterly terrifying if you're uh, in yeah. a side arc or something's uh, plus hurt. Three.
0: So is that Strength 7 me- Mega Bolter? on the side arc if you're shooting with a squadron or yeah, yeah. In strength, but uh yeah. Dang. <laughs> so let's see. Um, that will absolutely do direct damage to a warlord. Yep.
1: I mean, I can I, get
0: I, even higher. Yeah. Rear arc be eight.
1: Yep. I mean, I know that Emberwolves are in my future. I'm a big world eater betrayers fan. So, I mean, that that's going to happen at some point. So I'm going to have a bunch of just snappy dogs running around. So, trying to pull down big titans. So, love to see that. It doesn't matter how it plays; it'll just be fun. So, I mean, it's just themey as crap. So, uh, anything else you guys want
0: to talk about for like between your game? No, I think that was it.
2: The new Domitar rules are. um, Oh, that's right. We played ZM too. (laughs) Centurion.
1: Yeah, we played Centurion ZM, and I used um I used the new Domitar rule with the um the templates. For the grab weapons,
0: elaborate. for the first uh, time, for those of us that are unaware, what is yeah. that?
1: The Domatar is one of the larger automata in, in the in the Mechanicum. Um, it was a model that is really beautiful, but nobody played it, and nobody played it because it was expensive. Um, and unless you got into melee with it, you um, you can really hurt somebody when you get into melee. But you're a slow robot coming up the field. And you just get murdered. Um, it's just it wasn't the same as as a dreadnought was. And that's kind of the way you want that model to play. You want it to be able to go toe to toe with a dreadnought. And what they've done to fix the model in the last fact was they gave it a template attack on its two Graviton hammers, kind of like the the calyx, which is the um, the grav version of the uh, one of the larger automatas. Basically, it's just a big grab. They're grab hammers that they used to have to punch you out with. They now have a template attack that comes out of all, so that gives them a ranged attack. Before that, all they had for ranged attack was was one crack missile they're throwing at you once a turn, which was just wow. really nothing. That's awesome. So, so, oh, it was. I laid it's into a,
0: a chassis, right? It's a big, beefy chassis. It's like toughness. 7, oh, toughness eight model, right? It yeah? is.
1: It is. It's a beast. Oh, and yeah. I put two of those with my my big boy Magos. And, um, he had a veteran squad that ran on, um, an outflank of death guard and they got one round of shooting in on me. And then I put four templates across them with the domitars. And I think I crushed, what was it? Six of them. Cause it's a strength check. Basically you get hit with a template attack, you, you roll a strength check and it you squished six
2: there. of them. And then you ran into hand to hand and pummeled the rest.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> all I'm hearing as you're talking about this is blah blah blah. I'm a win at all costs, You can't complain. Blah blah blah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is the funny part about that game we played, War of Lies, which is a weird mission because, as Jeff Crawley experienced, you can basically table your opponent, hold one objective score negative victory points off of it, and lose the oh game. Oh,
0: my gosh. Yeah, this happened to our last Michigan event, didn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, my god. <laughs> so you lost, but you tabled Brian. Is that what we're hearing? He still How? won. He got lucky. Oh
1: Yeah, I think I won by a point, though. It was close. It was so close. Yeah. So your, your freaking grave wardens were just doing work on my freaking robots. So it was basically my phallics with photon thrusters shooting at his grave Wardens. And um, as they marched across the board and I was just like, Oh, please don't get all those temp, but don't get all those freaking blast freaking poison things on me. So I don't um, believe
0: Brian's probably ever played a game without grave ordens. So why would, why,
1: why would you, if you're death guard, <laughs> <laughs> they're badass models.
2: Once I get my destroyers painted, I think I'm going to try to sw- swap it up a little bit. Yep. Do somebody
1: remove that crutch. Yep. Rip it off And fearless fearless thralls are a beautiful thing too, because he 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 (laughs) screwed into my into my twenty fearless thralls with his death shroud. And even though his death shroud were doing work in murdering some thralls each turn, they just sort of like, Okay, I I got a lobotomy, dude. I'm not I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) So this was a beautiful, beautiful plan that Brian had that That was was very
2: flawed. I was like, so I can run down the Domitars, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, sweet, I'm going to multi-assault. I forgot that the thralls are fearless. (laughs) So I clobbered the crap out of the thralls, and we come down to the end. I'm like, sweet, I did six wounds. You doubled out two of my guys. I won combat. He's like, yeah, it doesn't matter.
1: I'm like, oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) Crap. (laughs) <laughs> write
1: a pure thought, baby Write a pure thought You cut part of that brain out, that fear section out Yeah, Bingo, I wish we could do back. that
0: to a lot of people, huh? Just cut out a little <laughs> piece of brain
1: <laughs> Dude, I'll never forget I was, I had a friend of mine who's who's kind of a hippie And uh, we've been friends for since our childhood And we were just talking gaming Because he used to play Warhammer Fantasy And he was asking me about the mechanic one day And I was telling him about Phallax And how they make Phallax And what a Phallax is and then he's, like, looking at me, like, horrified. And then I explained to him what they do with thralls, with cutting part of their brain out and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, dude, that is, like, the darkest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, man, that's honestly pretty mild for freaking 30K. <laughs> yeah, that's not dark. That's grim dark. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was like, we got legions that just, just flay people. I told him about the um, – I said, yeah, there's this one legion that just showed up on a planet. Mm. They, just, they just murdered – Every first son of every family and left their heads on spikes and without saying a word and left and passed by the planet he goes yeah that's that's really dark
2: <laughs> Those, those <awesome laughs> ones are really dark <laughs> or that uh remembrancer that goes crazy and starts using everybody's bodies that she can find or kill in random corridors of the ship so she can make bigger murals with her oh god and what art. was that like, oh what was god. that that was
1: in um that was in the emperor children book um fulgrim yeah that was sick dude she's like keeping people dead in drums and using their freaking fluids to make paint oh god that was a freaking dark book <laughs> <laughs> oh and that's why we play traders
2: wonderful, wonderful happy world of 30k
0: yeah. Hey, but it's something we can all enjoy. Uh so I mean it, it I mean, as dark as it is, it definitely paints a picture of how far that you can go, you know, and like really sets up the good versus dark sort of aspect of things.
1: Oh yeah. Well it leaves you in such a quandary, the game. That's what I love about it, is because you can be a, a you know, you, you see all this dark trader stuff, but then when you start looking at the way the Imperium works. And you, you get a lot of people who are like a hunky-dory, and they're just like, oh, the Imperium's so great. Man. And they, start, they start learning how the Imperium works and how dark the Imperium itself is. And <laughs> it's just a big, huge future meat grinder. It's just awesome. Everybody's evil in freaking 30K. It doesn't matter what side you're on. You're all doing something wrong. It's all Orwellian psychoticness. It's beautiful.
0: All righty. So I think with that, we are going to wrap up the podcast. Um, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to us. This is your host, Jeremiah. This is Chris. And this is Brian. Again, thanks for listening and look forward to our new episode coming out here soon. We're also going to be doing a giveaway for book eight. So stay tuned to our website and stay tuned for our next episode, which is going to be why you should play 30K.
1: Absolutely.